Amen. We are so glad that you're here. I appreciated Dan going over those 10 things we challenged last week. You know, I did notice, though, that Dan left out one, which is be early. And if you know Dan, there was a reason he left out be early, okay? So you have blessed us by being here on time and doing a great job of worshiping. Uh, Could you guess what the 2020 word of the year was? Anybody? Pandemic. Say that with me. Pandemic. Uh, Close behind, at least in my eyes, should have been the word social distancing. You know, we've seen all those signs out about staying six feet apart. And it's been very dangerous. In in fact, I I wish they had gone back and more accurately described it, not as social distancing, but as physical distancing. Because the social distancing, we paid a great price for that. I mean, if you just Google on your phone right now, you know, the results of social distancing, the negative results, I mean, you're going to see article after article that we've had more anxiety and more depression and the suicide rate skyrocketed. You know, I love the story that the two grandmothers who are trying to both brag on their grandchildren that they're the best, and one of them finally said, I can tell you this, said, my grandchildren are so great at social distancing, they don't even call me anymore. Thanks, a grandmother laughed. Okay, at least somebody laughed at that. Yeah, I mean, social distancing has become such a danger. Now, here's what I want to say to you this morning. We didn't have to go through this pandemic to figure that out. We didn't have to have all of these studies. The wisest man who ever lived thousands of years ago, let us know this. Uh, Look in your Bible at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 7. Now, again, we're talking about Solomon here. Solomon's the dude that had the resources to try everything. You know, he's got wealth. He's got women. He's got um, power. He's got position. He's a workaholic. He's got luxury. I mean, Solomon's the guy that God allowed to try everything. And here's my, my belief about this. He allowed Solomon to try everything so you and I don't have to. Because Solomon says, you know what, guys? I had everything the world said you ought to have, and it was meaningless. And look what he says in chapter 4, verse 7. Again, I say something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asks. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. He wakes up one day. He's got everything he needs except people. And so we're going to make three points today. Point one is that life alone is meaningless. In the very beginning of time, God said it's not good for man to what? Be alone. Some of you are old enough to remember the famous Three Dog Night song. One is the what? Loneliest number, and it is. And then we got Solomon says, when you're only one, you have no one to share it with. You ever watched a movie by yourself and you couldn't stand it, and then you watched it with some folks and you loved it? One of my favorite movies, I hate to admit to you, is Dumb and Dumber. Okay? And the first time I watched it, I watched it by myself, and I thought it was just absolutely dumb. And then I I watched it with my sons, and... It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I could watch it over and over again. 
There's something about either pain or joy about experiencing it together that makes a difference. And Solomon says, no matter how much I've achieved in my job and how much I've got, if I'm by myself, it's, it's actually, it's meaningless. I was talking to a young man I'm getting to know just the other day, and a great guy, his job, social distancing, so he can't go to his job, and so it ends up he's only working three or four hours maybe, you know, a day or some weeks a week. And so I just sort of asked him, what, what, what are you doing? Well, basically, he says, I play video games all day, I come work out in the afternoon, and I spend my weekends partying. And I could tell from what he was saying, he was bored stiff. And I finally said to him, I said, man, you don't know me very well, but let me say this. What makes life meaningful is relationships. In the long run, that's the thing you carry with you. So, first of all, one is very lonely. And then listen to what he says, starting in verse 9. Now, you've heard these verses, but you've heard it from preacher types like me at weddings. And and they work pretty well, but that's not who they're focused on. This is about friendship. Look at verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Point two is two. Life together is meaningful. It's much better to have a life with two than with one. Now, the wise man tells us a few things that happen. When you have somebody else with you, you can accomplish more. When you fall down, you have someone to help get you up. Pity the man who doesn't have that. He also says there, you have warmth to share. If you're out in a cold night and and you don't have enough blankets, enough cover, you're going to back to back and stay warm. Nothing weird about that. He's just saying you're going to do that. And then finally he says, when you've got somebody alongside you, you've got protection. We say to each other so often, I've got your back. You're going to be okay. So that's why we're moving into this lesson series today called Living Close. Because friendship in America today is pretty much a failing business. 70% of Americans say they have few real friends. That happened before the pandemic. That's made it worse. But because of, you know, the pace of our lives and because of the mobility of our culture and because of, you know, technology making us think we have friends when really they're just Facebook friends, real friendships are on the decline. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks, next six weeks, is we're going to shadow great biblical friendships. We're just going to follow behind and look and what we can learn about how to, how to develop great friendships. And tonight, today we start with maybe an unlikely friendship, Naomi and Ruth. I don't know how familiar you are with the book of Ruth, but it's a great book. It's the only book in the Bible written simply from a woman's perspective. And it's about a very unlikely friendship. They don't match up in age. They don't match up in the beginning of religion. They don't match up in, in culture. In fact, let me try to tell the story by us using a family tree. Here's here's the family tree. Elimelech and Naomi live in Bethlehem, and there's a famine. So they take their two sons, Milan and Chilion. You know, by the most accurate ancient records, Chilion was a real chill dude, okay? 
Please, please just humor me a little bit. All right. So we got the two sons, Milan and Chilion, and when they get, you know, to Moab, that's where they move, they get married. One marries Orpha and one marries Ruth. And so everything seems to be falling into place. But listen to me, guys. Within the first five verses, all the men drop out of the picture. Show us now. Elimelech dies. The two sons die. And by verse 5, there are no men involved. While we're having people raise hands, any of you women think that would be a really cool thing? (laughs) Stephanie, do not raise your hand, okay? Not this time, all right? It's like that commercial that used to come on. I don't know if you remember, but I don't even remember who it was for, but there was a spaceship that would come to Earth. It would take all the men up, you know, and then there were only women on the Earth. And as soon as it happens, there's just this dramatic pause. And then all the women break out in celebration. <laughs> Seems like it'd be better. Well, in ancient days, you would not break out in celebration. There's no worse condition for women than to be without men. There's really no social welfare safety net to catch them. In fact, what women were looked at is basically people to give birth to children. Without that, your worth was questioned. And without a husband there to protect you, you were pretty much left out on your own. So it's a really dangerous, terrible place. Well, Naomi decides to to get better. She ought to go back home and be at least close to some relatives. So she packs up to go back um, you know, to Bethlehem, her hometown. And sweet Orpha and Ruth, they start following her. They're so close to her, they follow her. And Naomi just turns around and says, hey, guys, um, man, I really appreciate this, but you guys don't need to do this. I'm I'm, going to be okay, and if you stay back home, you'll find husbands, and you'll be all right. And Orpha decides to go back. I mean, she's got a TV program and a book club to, to run, and so all you, all you got to change is one letter, all right? It's pretty good. Okay, so Oprah goes back, and uh, every, everything's looking pretty good. That's much better than Chilion. So Oprah goes back, and so now we got this terrible, we only got Naomi, and Ruth says, I'm with you. In fact, one of the most beautiful verses in all the Bible. You've heard this one read at weddings. Doesn't really belong there, but listen to what Ruth replied to Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. May she's making an incredible commitment. We keep reading and we get down You know, to verse 22, it says, Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth. I love that word accompanied. You need someone to accompany you through life. If we had a a soloist up here and and we said, let's have that accompanied by a pianist. We know that it, it, it could be beautiful and it could be impactful because there's something about those two coming together. And that's the picture Scripture gives us of Ruth and Naomi. So they get back, and um, Naomi wants to help Ruth out. So she knows of a kinsman who's lost his wife. His name is Boaz. Okay, let's go ahead and add that. 
And she begins to work to hook these two guys, that's the wrong word, to get these guys <laughs> together, all right? So she, she comes up with this scheme. I, I, this, is, this is so wild, but you've got you to hear this. Uh, Ruth chapter 3, um, verse 3, she's sending uh, her to get some barley. The, the only safety net was everybody had to leave some, some, some of their field for poor people. But she knows this Boaz could be something special, and so she wants Naomi to be at a Naomi wants Ruth to be able to have a connection. So Naomi says to her, "Good idea. Wash. I think that's a good idea. Take a bath. Put on some perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. We want you to look good. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking." This is great. When he lies down, note the place where he's lying, then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. (laughs) It's not as sexual as it sounds. This is their version of Christian mingle, all right? I mean, (laughs) they get this opportunity, you know, and if you keep reading the story, it plays out really, really well. And Boaz ends up marrying Ruth, and Naomi and Ruth are both taken care of by this incredible benefactor. It's a beautiful story. And here's what I want to share with you really quickly, is we can learn from these four chapters characteristics of a spiritual friendship. Now, my challenge for you today is to go home and read this story. It's just four chapters, not hard to read. It's actually a very beautiful book. But it teaches us so much about what a real friendship should look like. Let me give you these five points because I think these will help equip you and I to develop better friendships. First of all is just acceptance. Now, guys, you've got to understand when Naomi and, and Ruth go back together to Bethlehem, Naomi is not in good shape. I mean, she, is, she says, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord hands against me. She is bitter about life. And she actually tells him, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. She says, guys, if I want to be accurate, let me change my name to bitter. She's bitter about death. She's bitter about God. She's just sort of bitter. And what I love about Ruth is despite the fact Naomi's bitter, she doesn't try to fix her. She doesn't say, oh, Ruth, stop saying that. You're really not that old. You look great. She doesn't say, repeat after me, Ruth. God is good. God is good all the time. God is good. She doesn't give those kind of platitudes. She does what we just read. She just accompanies her. She walks with her. Because there's something so powerful when you just meet someone who even though they know your flaws and they know your imperfections, is able to love you. One reason many of us don't build good friendships is because we're so nitpicky with people. And we think, I've got to correct this right off the bat. No. The first thing you want to do if you want a good friendship is you just got to accept each other. You see, spiritual friendship is a place where you're accepted as you are for the sake of who you'll become. We're going to see that in this story. Second, a real spiritual friendship is reciprocal. This is not like we might talk about in church discipleship or mentoring or counseling where one person sort of has the position of power over the other. Friendship is a two-way street. Your peers 
Though one might be much older than the other, or one might be smarter than the other, there's a peer relationship. And that's how Naomi and Ruth related to each other. You know, Ruth serves Naomi by going to the fields. Naomi serves Ruth by introducing her to Boaz. It goes back and forth. That's a real relationship. Now listen to me. If you're in a relationship where you send all the texts, where you make all the phone calls, where you always ask the questions, where you're the one that listens carefully and follows up on what someone said, more than likely that doesn't really feel like a friendship because it's not. A friendship is when both people initiate with each other. Great friends take turns being strong, being the wise one, taking the initiative, showing the other the way. Can I ask you this morning, after just two qualities, do you have someone that you know who accepts you and loves you the way you are? And do you have someone where you are in a reciprocal, mutual friendship with them and you serve each other? Now, the next point's where many of us, especially men, get hooked up, and that's openness. You know, you think about how honest and open Naomi is. I mean, she's, she's willing to just put it on the line, guys. You may not want to hang out with me right now. I'm, I'm pretty bitter. And you love that because all of us know that as much as we don't like to say our faults and flaws, when you say them, you immediately feel better. And, you know, I mean, as the story goes on, we see this beautiful relationship where they're open and talk about everything. After that romantic scene with Boaz, Ruth comes back, and I can just see Naomi and Ruth sitting at their table with a candle between them, and Naomi says, how did it go? What did you do when he uncovered, what did he do when you uncovered his feet? I mean, is this thing going somewhere? They just share life. And guys, this is the price of friendship. It's openness. It's vulnerability. That's why many of us don't have friends. A wonderful man in this church cornered me after first service and said, man, you were talking right to me. He said, I got lots of friends, but I really don't have a friend. And he admitted it's because he doesn't let anybody go deep with him. And for many of us, that's our protection. And that's why I started with the word acceptance. Because you want someone that's going to accept you. You don't want to do it and be rejected. But in the long run, if you're going to have a great friendship, you have got to pay the price of being vulnerable. Because here's the way we know friendships happen. You know, I come into your life and I just open myself up just a little bit about what's going on with me that you wouldn't know. And then I watch. Then if you'll open yourself up a little bit, then I'll open myself even wider. And before long, if you spend enough time and you accept each other and love each other through your faults and flaws, you begin to be like an open book. And that's the close friendships. Can I ask you, do you have that kind of friendship? Do you have someone that you can be completely open and honest with that can accept you and help you? And then number four is they were attentive to each other. I mean, you read the story and they just take care of each other's needs. They know each other. They know what to do. Have you ever known someone so well that they knew you so well that they could read you like a book? I mean, I think of people in this audience that I'm really close to. That if, you know, if I preach and nobody else picks up on it, they 
might pick up there's something wrong with me. And they might come by the door and say, hey, man, buddy, thank you for that message. That w- was really good. But, but are you okay? Now, that's scary. But do you have someone in your life who reads you, who's attentive, that when they know, you know, you shared, you know, over lunch, or you shared on the front row something was going on in your life, and then, you know, a week later they called you and said, how's it going? A week later, what could I do? Could I come cut cut your grass? They're attentive to each other. And then finally, they're spiritual. That's what distinguishes this from every other kind of friendship. I mean, Ruth and Naomi start with spirituality when Ruth says, may your God be my God. And it absolutely happened. And this Moabite becomes a follower of the Almighty God. And guys, that's what really cements your friendship. I mean, go back with me just for a moment to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the verse we ended on just a moment ago. Verse 12. Also, if two lie down, no, see, that's verse 11. Verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I think that proverb of the end, the cord of three strands, is the two friends in God. Point one, life alone is meaningless. Point two, life with somebody else is meaningful. Point three, life together with God is unbreakable. Why? Because in God, we are given the tools that we need to be able to, to work through any problem. You see, what happens in the world is, you know, i got this great friendship, and then there comes some friction or some kind of misunderstanding or someone hurts the other, and I, the, my, I just run. But because we understand God and we understand forgiveness and reconciliation and how to talk things through, we can have a friendship that's unbreakable. Listen to this statistic. The average person in America completely changes their friend group every seven years. Now, I look around at you because I know you have God, and I know a lot of your friends, and I know that's not true in your life. But if you put God in the middle of it, then you begin to have that opportunity for a long-lasting friendship because there's going to be something that can trip your friendship up, come up, no doubt, always. So let me sum this up. Spiritual friendship is a place where you're accepted as you are for the sake of who you can become by the power of God. So what happens is, These two friends who accept each other, care for each other, are bound together by God, and then it grows exponentially. I want to share with you about a friend of mine that plays this role. Uh, I'm going to ask Trey Hayes if he'd come up on the stage. And the reason I picked Trey, not only is he one of my very best friends, but our age difference is very much like Ruth and Naomi. Um, You know, um, we became friends over a, a decade ago in that whole decade, Trey, I have been um, double your age, <laughs> but I do notice now next year won't be double, okay? Uh, thanks so, for the reminder. You're right. So, uh, it's off to a good start. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, let's talk a minute, first of all, before we go back into these five points. Why do you think we've been able to overcome the, the big age gap? Um, I think we've kind of met in the middle, honestly. Uh, for those of you that know me well, I'm an old soul. Like, I... Um, I prefer real notes, a real Bible, real books. I have a, believe it or not, they still make them a real paper that's delivered to my door every day. Uh, and you, uh, 
you're kind of a younger soul. You're, you always have relevance. There's always I do like, read the paper online. But, cool. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, that, that counts. And so um, anyway, but like, you know, like, like the guy you were talking about earlier, you, you've always had a relevance with younger people. And it's, I think it's like a leftover from probably college minister days and that kind of stuff. Like you go to bed infinitely later than I do. Like, you know, I go to bed at nine and I'm proud of it, you know. And, and I, so, I don't think I've ever been to bed at nine. You're missing out. <laughs> you know, you're missing out on some of your advice last week. And so, yeah. but yeah, I, I think you're getting a glimpse of why this works. Like we're both smart Alex. And so, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, I think the age divide has been really easy because I, I do think in some ways uh, we meet in the middle. And um, I, I think I've loved being able to pour into you and you've loved being able to pour into me. And, you know, I mean, w- one thing Trey and I do most weeks is we actually work on my message outline. And so I'll show it to him. And, you know, he helps me have relevant, you know, illustrations. If it's up to me, they're all about World War II. And so I, I want to interrupt. I just want to clear the record while he said that. The Chilean joke, not me. <laughs> so but the you, dumb and dumber one, I, that was me. And so, hey, uh, yeah. But you had to appreciate the Orpha joke. Uh, that wasn't you either. Okay, let's go on. Okay. okay. That wasn't me <laughs> Let's talk. Um, let's then just look back over these five characteristics. Acceptance, reciprocal, openness, attentiveness, spirituality. How did those five things play out in our friendship? I think um, for me, the acceptance and the openness was, was big. Um, when, you know, 10 years ago, like, I would classify myself as somebody that didn't have many, if any, real friends. I'd never slowed down enough for relationships, and I'd never opened myself up to that, that level of vulnerability. Familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a classic three, right? So having somebody that, um, you know, accepted who I was, you know, and I think, like, you know, the start of our relationship had a lot to do with that is, um, you know, we... We met shortly after um, we started going to church here, and I don't I don't know if you know much about um, mine and Amanda's story, but our first couple of years of marriage were really hard. Um, we went through job changes and a bunch of other stuff, and so there was a period where she was down here and I was working in Birmingham and back and forth, and it was just it was a lot. And I think maybe the second time we got together for lunch, yeah, yeah I just I don't know if you put like true serum in the sweet tea at Dirks or what, but I just kind of broke down, and that's. That's not, you know, not, not, not who I was. And so it just, it built on that. It was, you know, for me, it was, it was built on acceptance and, and openness. And that was kind of the first time I'd had that. I think what happened there too is after you got so open and that, that lunch was like, yeah, you're right, it's our second lunch. We moved from Chris's hot dogs to Dirk's. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when we, when we got there and you did that, that, that gave me permission to be reciprocal mm-hmm. and also to be open. So you became someone that I would confide in. And I thought that was really, really a big part of it. I'd also probably list, you know, just attentiveness. Um, it's cool to have a friend that when you tell them something, they're going to remember it. And they're actually going to follow up on it and ask, you know, if you say, hey, this is what's going on today. Um, I'm going to hear a question later. So how did that meeting go? How are you doing? So that, that's been really cool. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think um, having somebody that knows me, um, uh, I'm a self-admitted, I'm a moody person. And so what used to frustrate me 10 years ago, he could tell, like, when I walked into a restaurant, whether or not I was in a good mood or a bad. And it used to tick me off. And so it now, wasn't It wasn't hard. It yeah, wasn't hard. I, th- I think I hide it a lot better than I do. But, um, you know, but now, like, I find rest in that, of somebody, you know, kind of that being, finding comfort in being known, not, not being exposed, you know. And so that's the, certainly the first friendship I've ever 
had that that happened, and then learning that has made me a better friend to other folks as well. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's been really important. And, and like you say, a little scary that someone can look at you and know what's going on, and you do the same with me. How, how do we see God? Because I think, you know, we've had our tiffs and fights about things and confrontations, but the friendship has lasted, and I think because of God. How's, how's God been in the middle of this? Um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, different lessons for different days, but Buddy lives what he preaches in terms of if you want a spiritual friendship, the key to that is prayer. And so, spoiler, if you go to a meal with him, like you're going to pray over the meal, but then you're probably going to pray later after that. And so, um, and I'd never prayed like that before. I, I, I don't, I pray differently with you than I do by myself. And, you know, and that's, a, you know, probably not a great thing, but God's always been in the middle of that. You know, when I, when I broke down there, we welcomed God into that conversation and that equation then, right? right? And so, and I think every day since then, as we, we pray together most days and, you know, before our day starts, is we're welcoming God into, into our lives through our friendship. And so, I mean, I think it's just, you know, kind of like what you said, you know, wise, guy said, wise man said in, in Ecclesiastes, you know, it's, it's that third chord. Yeah, and that's and I think you're so right in that prayers played a big role. You just get to know someone differently when you pray. And we also, you know, because of working on messages and stuff, we, we stay in the Word a lot together, you yeah. know. And, and I, one thing I, I do love about you is your love for Scripture and your love for learning something new. And, and you help me with that in lots of different ways. So I've been very blessed to be in this friendship and uh, glad we could share this because it is an unlikely friendship because of the, the age division. And so... Um, God's really blessed it. So, Trey, I'd like you, in view of everything we talked about today, just to lead us to the communion table. Sure. And if you don't have your cups yet, there are tables all around uh, the worship center where you can go ahead and get your communion cups. But Trey's going to share some really good things with us before we partake. Sure. And I know this is kind of, um, you know, back to church Sunday and that kind of stuff. If, you know, you're new with us, there's these little Ziploc bags of these scattered around. And... Um, we're, we'll, we're preparing our minds to take this bread and this juice, and we'll explain what that means here in a second. But if you're new to, you know, church or new to this family, you're welcome to it. And so, um, you know, start with that. But I think transitioning from talking about a really, really special friendship is because of the last 10 years of doing life together, Buddy and I are way more than friends. We're family. And for me, you know, I didn't grow up with a big family. Uh, for a lot of reasons, it was kind of my mom and dad and, and me and my sister. And, and I didn't grow up and, you know, I'd see in movies these Thanksgiving meals and these Christmas meals and coming home and all that kind of stuff. And that was cool to watch, but it wasn't my experience, right? And then when we moved to Montgomery, if, if you're from Montgomery, just if, whether you realize this or not, Montgomery's a tough place to move to. Um, because the experience, whether real or not, the experience for Amanda and me was so many people grow up here, go to school or whatever, and they come back, and they've already got these networks kind of built in. And so it's funny, like when you meet somebody that, that's not from here, it's, it's really unique. Dan uh, introduced me to, to somebody at the football game the other night of just, you know, hey, this guy is from Florence. I said, wait a minute, you're not from Montgomery? And he's like, no, no, I'm from North. I said, we're the only ones. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, and so, but when Amanda and I came here, we didn't know anybody. And 
our friends started here, literally in this room. And our friends became family to us. This is a really, really special place. And a couple of examples to that. I was talking to my mom this week, and one of my sons is having a, a, a hard adjustment to his, his current class at school. And it's, 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 it's tough. And um, it's been, you know, a hard couple of weeks. And my mom said, Trey, you know, she said, I'm so sorry. She said, I know it's tough. She said, but then I know you go to church with a lot of those people too. That's got to be really tough. And it just kind of hit me. I said, no, ma'am. I said, makes it so much better. I said, do you, I said, an example of that is, you know, when I was teaching Sunday school last week, the principal of his school purposely sat by Amanda not so he could lecture her on how to be better or what we were doing wrong, but so he could encourage her that he was praying about it, we were going to get through it together. But families do. You know, and I think about, you know, the people in this room, you know, we don't adopt without seeing the Phillips family do it before us, being a part of that life group. I saw Andy Johnson walked in our uh, Sunday school class today, and we stopped because that's, that's what you do when you see a family member that's it's back. I mean, that hug and just, it's family. I mean, I get, to, I get to teach with one of my spiritual heroes. It's family. And so this, whether, if, you're, if you're new here or not, this is family time. That Thanksgiving meal, that Christmas big dinner thing I, I didn't grow up with. I'm eating a love feast with my family. And that came with a price, right? It came with Jesus literally giving everything so that we could have this, so that we could have this in common. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we are the household of God. We are that family. And so, I hope you understand how much I love having this with all of you. And how special you make this. And how awesome it's going to make heaven. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you were a God that wanted to befriend us. You did the work for us to become friends. That you chose, you chose to be open. You chose to make a way through your son Jesus so that we could become family. God, I thank you for our church family. And I thank you that we challenge one another, we struggle together, we're open with one another, and we do the things that's required of a close family. And so God, as we remember your son's broken body and his blood that was shed so that we could have that, we thank you. And we pray that you'll bless us through it. Through Christ we pray. Amen. What a great God we serve. Please be seated just for a moment. A God who moves in so many different ways. In this story we've read about this wonderful friendship, God did some amazing things. This bitter woman, Naomi, by the end of the book, is not bitter. Look back at um, our story. You got Naomi and you got Boaz and Ruth. And the last scene in the book, Boaz and Ruth have had a child. They've named him Obed. And Naomi is holding this baby. And she's no longer the woman of bitterness. She's a woman of great joy. And God had worked through that. But then as the book concludes, it sort of winks at us and says, but that was just the beginning. 
Out of that friendship, God did some powerful things because Obed's daddy was Jesse, and Jesse was the daddy of who? David. And in the long run, David's the dad of Jesus. So from this friendship from these two widow ladies whose life has taken a terrible turn has developed the very lineage of Jesus Christ. That's the power of what God can do in relationships. And so this morning, we're about to sing. And if you need to come and say something, let me just say this to you. We don't social distance on this front row. If you come, someone's going to sit beside you. And maybe there's been some distance between you and God. Maybe you've never named Jesus as your Savior and met him, talking about close, in the waters of baptism where you're buried with him and resurrected with him. Today, if you'd like to be baptized, just meet me up here. Or if somehow you are just lonely, and for whatever reason, maybe your fault, maybe someone's fault, maybe even our church's fault, something's not happened that connects you with other people, and you need that, and you're willing to say that today. Or maybe Satan has worked into your life, and you need to confess something. You need the church to pray for you. Life was not meant to be lived alone. It was meant to be lived in relationship, and that's what makes it meaningful. And that's what's so cool about being a part of a family like this. We have that opportunity. If you need to make a decision about that today, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?